And we are recording on Wednesday, January 11th. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 2023 at 2.22 p.m. Eastern Time, episode 1050 with my buddy Ron, who I don't even remember the last time you were on. I think it was like the 500s or 600s, but uh, Ron's actually one of the only podcast guests who i actually knew before the podcast um my life was super fucked up and i think through somehow or another i ended up following you on instagram and i i think it was you i ended up fat on drugs living above my parents garage and i think i messaged you i was like how do i get your life and you were like who are you and i was like oh, i'm talking and we just kind of became buddies and um uh i i reached out to you i think right before christmas a couple weeks ago about uh um kind of explaining ftx to me because like a like a true ignoramus i just bundle everything into groups of shit and i assume that if someone's in that grouping they know everything about it because i know that you're into trading you have obviously your own uh your own uh channel about it all your good shit about it i just pawned it off on you i was like ron knows what the ftx scandal is he's going to explain it to me with never even <laughs> never even consulting with you i was just like this is what we're doing now because you're a saint you agreed but ron my friend introduce yourself because uh my introductions are always uh incompetent that's cool uh, i'm ron i go by can't sleep on the internet that's my that's the name i've been going on for the last like probably six or seven years so my youtube channel is and um i'm just a day trader stock trader i trade all kinds of, i bet I, prim- I primarily day trade stocks i mean i day trade swing trade and i've been long-term investing but long-term investing is something that takes years to really master and know right so i don't consider myself like a true long-term investor yet because it's something that i'm still learning right but i day trade every single day and i've day traded stocks for on the actual stock market now i don't mess with crypto too much and i don't know a lot about crypto because i've never believed in crypto yeah i believe in like american companies american business and that's what i trade on the stock market um stocks are backed by actual companies where crypto is just pretty much just thin air and whatever else. So I've never believed in crypto. I've never really traded much of it. I do know a little bit what's going on in the crypto world because I hear news. I talk to a lot of people about trading, but primarily I day trade stocks like every single day that the stock market's open. And um, I have been trading full time for the past eight years. Before that, I was like in the oil field and I worked in the oil field for about 10 years. And um, that's where I'm at now. I, I own a company now where I teach people how to trade stocks and that's just been something that's been growing you know what i mean so um before we jump into and i always do this where i have like a a, a theme for the, the episode scheduled and then i instantly derail it but uh um what is the difference in that i guess and again in my limited mindset i see long-term investing is more of i think it was Shaq. i think it was Shaq who was talking about right when he got signed in like the 90s or something He's like, you know, in Shaq's deep voice, he's like, first day I went out, he's like, bought like a Mercedes S-Class, came back, dad said he wanted one, so I got dad one, came back, mom said she wanted one, so I got mom one. He's like, and I spent 900000 of my million dollars. 
And then I realized that with taxes, I had only made 500,000. So before my first game in the NBA, I was 400 grand in debt. And he's like, and I instantly realized like, this is not a good, but he goes on to say, he's like, so I started meeting with it uh, and uh, people to manage my money. Cause I decided early on, I didn't want to, you know, be one of the athletes that goes broke. And he's like, I met with this guy and he said, we're doing this, that, the other thing. I didn't like it. I met with another guy and he said, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to be aggressive with that. He goes, and I didn't like it. He goes, and then I met this tiny little Jewish man. And he goes, we're going to invest in blue chip stocks and government bonds. And the interviewer goes, so who did you choose? And he goes, uh, he goes, Shalom. And uh, so, <laughs> but his idea was he wanted someone that managed it. And it was in a very vanilla, unsexy manner for long-term investing. And it's it's interesting that you just said you're more interested in in day trading, but you can almost track that trajectory again, right? Long-term is more, your Warren Buffett seems much more vanilla, middle of the road. Day trading, I would imagine, is 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 more exciting. And then you can almost extrapolate that again and say crypto is to day trading what day trading is to long-term and that it is truly just vapid, ethereal, based on nothing. I would imagine if it was a drug, it would be much more of a, a speedy, super high, super low, I mean, I don't know. There's stocks that do that too, right? So like there's day trading in crypto too. A lot of people day okay. trade. It's more like a long-term investment is something that you're buying, at least in the stock world, you're buying to sit on for almost your entire life. When you're buying a, a long-term investor looks at a, an investment as in like they're buying the company, they're buying part of the company. Because when you own shares of a company, you own part of that company. Mm -hmm. You are an actual shareholder. So when you a real long-term investor, how you're supposed to long-term invest is you're supposed to do your research on the companies, find a company or companies that you like to buy, buy shares and continue to accumulate those shares throughout your lifetime. Like some long-term investors will never sell their positions almost their entire life. Some do, but when you're long-term investing, you're looking to hold for like 20 years plus. Okay. You're looking for very long-term. Now like swing trading and day trading, now day trading is fast-paced. Like I said, I, I hold long-term positions, but it's something that I'm not, extremely familiar with yet because i'm still reading i'm still learning through time if my investments hold out if they do good um the thing is day trading is fast paced it's like buy you have to buy and sell within that day to be considered a day trade so if i'm day trading a stock i'm going to buy shares today and sell them within a couple minutes or a couple hours but i need to sell them within the day and it is very fast paced i mean i'm sometimes i'm scrambling making trades so fast like you can't even imagine you like the math you have to do and everything you have to do so fast right like so today i traded a stock i only made one trade today because i was getting prepared for this and i didn't see much that i like oh, i made oh, one oh. trade on rivian did i, I like, did i mess up your trading no no no, no. i only right. trade for two hours every day i okay. don't trade more than two hours a day if i'm holding a position i'll monitor the positions but other than that no i make trades i usually make anywhere from like three to maybe 10 trades i've made 20 trades in the day before um like today, I traded Rivian. It was a stock, and it's a it's an automotive stock. I think an EV stock. I traded it for probably I wasn't even in it for ten minutes. Maybe I made twelve hundred bucks. It was like I, sh I actually shorted it. I shorted it. Um, it didn't. I didn't make as much as I was supposed to make. At least I thought I was going to make, but I followed my rules and I traded it and got out within ten minutes. And so, a swing trade is like in the middle. A swing trade is like something you're going to buy and sell within so many days. It has to be at least one day to consider a swing trade or else it would be a day trade. Usually a swing trade is going to, you're going to hold it from anywhere to a, from a couple of days to maybe like a few weeks. But now crypto, I'm sure there are long-term investors in crypto, <clears throat> probably not too many anymore, 
but I know there was um, before like this FTX thing happened. There was like, it was a big thing. People were probably planning on holding it for years. I'm sure there are still people holding Bitcoin for sure. You know, Bitcoin has been established. It's been around for a long time. It's probably a little bit safer bet than most of these other crypto coins and everything else. Um, but a long-term crypto trade would be the same thing, right? You're going to buy it and hold it for years and years and years. It doesn't have to be fast paced. It can be slow paced as well, but there are people that day trade crypto futures, Forex, um, all these different things. Right. So that's kind of an, a, again, you can see my own, uh, my own um, ignorance with this. And I had never really thought about that. I mean, stocks are a, I mean, I, I traded stocks in, in high school traded. I, I, I bought Apple and then sold it four years later, but yeah. like I hadn't thought of that's the thing. It's real. It's a, you look at it and even the most uneducated, you know, unaffiliated person can look at it. And I remember why I bought it because even 16 year old me was like, dude, the iPhone's better than like everything else. And I was just like, <laughs> I want to be right. You, it, it, it can be simple. I've been in a Tesla maybe three times, but even those, if I, if I was investing, I would get in Cause I'm like, I, it's, it's clearly like the next level. Right. For sure. It doesn't have to be super complicated. The no. hardest part about trading or any type of investing isn't so much. The reason why a lot of people don't make money is because they cannot follow through with the plan, right? Like, yeah. so like you, if you had held Apple all this time, I don't know how much you would have made, but you probably would have made a lot of money. Yeah. The thing is people will plan on holding something. Like we've been in a bear market all year in stocks and in crypto. So that means that a bear market is when stocks go down for so long, right? The actual market's declining. It's been declining all last year. And during those times, long-term investors or people that planned on holding for years and years and years, especially people that bought stocks in the past couple of years, because stocks were at such high prices, like mm. during the pandemic, can you imagine, like, I think my uncle bought Tesla when it was like around 400 or something like that. I don't I can look at the chart real quick, but yeah, he bought Tesla when it was way up there. And, um, the thing is, when you buy something that high, uh, you have to like, yeah, he bought it around like it was like three something, I think, because I think Tesla hit like 400 something. He bought it like pretty much at the top. He told me same thing with Apple. Well, when you buy something at highs and you're like a new investor to the market because he had never invested before, it was something he was just trying to do. And a lot of times people see that these stocks keep going higher and higher and higher and they get FOMO, right? They get the fear of missing out. They don't want to miss out on the stock going higher and higher. They, they've already missed out so many times. They're like, damn, man, I should have bought it back yeah, then. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Get in, get so in. Finally, get in. they get in pretty much when it's almost always when it's about to go down, you know? <laughs> so they get in and then they have trouble holding through all the, the turmoil, right? But if you're a long-term investor... That's something that you need to make a conscious decision of before you ever invest. Beforehand. You know that, hey, man, this could go down tomorrow. It's okay. Like when you listen to Warren Buffett talk, he says he hopes the stock goes down after he buys in because he's going to accumulate more. more. Yeah. Now, if you're day trading, you don't want to do that. It's completely different because the amount of shares you're buying are so enormous. If you just let a stock go, like let's say this, like let's say I bought Tesla and I was day trading it at $230. And I buy like a thousand shares. Well, I'm not going to want to like let that thing sit for days and days and days because I'm buying such a, an enormous amount of shares. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to capitalize on very small price fluctuations. So when you're like day trading a stock, you always set what's called like a stop. And a stop is a place that you're willing to get out of the trade if it goes against you, right? You have to minimize your losses. They have to be small and you want your winners to be bigger. If it so starts to fuck me, I'm going to get out, even if I exactly, lose a little bit exactly. of money. Okay. But people, even in day trading or whatever, if a day trading, the way they mess themselves up is because a lot of times 
it starts to go against them and a lot of people will hold and they'll hold where they weren't supposed to hold. They send a stop placement where they're supposed to get out. They hold past that. And then they end up, end up like losing thousands and thousands by the time they're just so distraught and destroyed. They finally get out of the trade and they lose a bunch of money. And like long-term investing would be pretty much the same thing. Like if my uncle got in at three 30 and Tesla, well, right now Tesla's at $121, right? It's gone down like 70% since that price. So if, if you could imagine right now, if he exits, well, then he's just fucked himself on this long-term investment. He's actually lost money where if he holds right now, hopefully in the next few years, Tesla recovers and it moves back higher again. Right. But it's just, and you also need to diversify, you know, you don't want to just buy one stock because what if that stock doesn't recover? Right. But if you're investing in good, solid companies where, like you just said, you knew Apple, like people can see these companies when you drive around town, they're like, how many are like lumber stores or, or like, you know, home improvement stores? How many is there? There's like two big ones. It's like Home Depot and Lowe's, Lowe's pretty much. Yeah. So, you know, you can just tell the basic person can almost tell like, and maybe these aren't like the best companies, but they've been around for years and years and years. They're established, have good management. You know, they're probably going to recover, you know? So that's the difference. And that's how people lose long-term investing. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. What exists tends to persist. Yeah. I remember... I remember another Warren Buffett quote I had read when I was like 16 and he said, if you don't understand it, don't invest in it. Now I don't understand, uh, you know, nanometer chip <laughs> manufacturing, but even as a 16 year old, I realized I was like, everyone wants the iPhone. If you have a flip phone, you're a jackass. And it's not just like a teenage thing, like dad, business executive, they all get new. I and it's like, okay, there, there's something here. And then of course, then you always have that sort of like the, the CEO persona, Steve Jobs and Elon, that helps as well. But everyone knew. And again, I mean, I remember like my friend was one of the only person, uh, people, and this is like 2006, that had an iMac. Like his family's, that was docked an iMac. And that was, even then it was just like, oh dude, we're going to his house, like uh, fuck around the iMac. And it was just, you. even now when, I'm, when you're driving, you're driving, you're lost in your own head, just cars, streetlights, don't hit the homeless person. But what do you, I know I always do, but what do you see? Oh shit, there's Tesla. Even just that subconscious, what is that? So, and then another thing I would have to imagine is that when you are doing that holding position, it's also that you're in a spot where you don't need all of that money. Exactly. You don't, sure. you're putting that there as your investment because you've got your bills taken care of, your kids in school, your wife's whatever. You're not doing that as if you have 20 bucks, you should not be investing that $20. It no, should be, sure. I've got a little nest egg. You're looking at 30 years. You've got your emergency fund. You've got your steady job. It seems like we're not going to nuclear war. Things are probably going to keep going in this normal direction. Well, right? and that's, and that's kind of what happened with GameStop. So many people, and that's the thing where, where Buffett says like, you know, if you don't know it, don't invest A Part of that is because, if you know a company and you do do your due diligence and you, and you do really know about a company, you're a company and you're confident in them, it gives you that ability to hold a lot more, right? Because then you know, okay, well, look, I'm, I've done my research on this company, man. It does have a good CEO year over year. The earnings are good. Like they're going to return. That gives you confidence to hold through that. Where a normal person, if they just buy into a stock and they have no idea, they're like, well, damn, maybe this company goes down and never comes back. And then like with the GameStop thing, when GameStop went up so high, people invested like their entire life savings, but they weren't planning on holding for 20 years or holding for so long, right? They were just thinking that this thing's going to keep going in the next couple of days or months and get them rich. Well, now they're invested, you know what I'm saying? They're losing their entire life savings. And 
when you put money in that you are like taking out credit card loans to invest in this and now it's down, you're forced to sell almost. You're almost forced to liquidate liquidate because like you said, you didn't you didn't have that money to spend. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like a real a solid investment, you know? That it's a desperation move. Exactly. Right? For sure. <laughs> yeah, it totally. Is. Yeah, it's it's not <clears throat> it's gambling is what it is, pretty much. It's like yeah. you're just hoping that it goes higher. Yeah. I mean, my podcast is still like a very fledgling business. There's I have an emergency fund to where whatever, if you know, it just all goes to shit. I'm like, okay, I still have like 12 months of living. No part of me is like, what's my long-term position on, on us steel. I'm, I'm still very, and I hope to be at that spot one day, but right now I'm still very much in a, I'm in a bedroom screaming at a microphone, emailing guests like, right. I'm still trying to put it together. So to kind of pivot from there is that, that same sort of excitement people might get with a GameStop, that fear of missing out. I imagine that's what crypto is. And my logic has been, I always have to be aware of myself. Like I'm 32. I'm like, I have to, I already don't understand most of technology. I can already see like the wave leaving me. I'm like, I don't do TikTok. I don't live stream. I don't fucking know what half the shit is. And I've accepted that. I'm, I'm now an old man. But when I hear about someone like me who does a podcast and has a biology degree, when I hear about you got to get into crypto, my first red flag is, well, one, why is anyone telling me this? Or they're probably making something. And two, by the time it's reached me, it has reached everyone else. It's, that's I should not know Warren about Buffett saying, man, that's when everyone's greedy, be fear, be fearful. And when everyone's fearful, be greedy. Right. Because you start hearing about it from everybody it's already too late probably something's fucked and it might go up a little bit longer sure but most likely when everyone's talking about it it's too late right it's like yeah and it's again i'm very in tune with the, the podcast world i know about all these weird companies that will host your video for free because i'm always searching for like new avenues so if i hear about a change I'm, i should probably act on that because this is what i do all day every day versus if my mom hears about a a new startup company, Dude. I might be like, "Mom, don't." Or not only that, I'll be like, "Yeah, I've been on there for three years." Like, okay, but so there is. So that's just my own red flag where I'm like, I don't know about crypto. I'm just, and by the time it reaches me, I'm like, something's fucked, or someone's making money off me thinking there's an opportunity. For sure. To pivot from there, is that kind? Is that what? FTX or I guess and aside from Bitcoin, Bitcoin seems to almost not be a crypto in that it seemed again in my limited mindset, it seems to be moving more towards a a stable thing. Well, Bitcoin was like the big the first thing the that OG. happened. Right? Bitcoin yeah. was yeah, the OG and it and it was like the actual original. And that's the difference is since Bitcoin, like people will like you just said, people will find ways to take advantage of people and when they see opportunities like that, right? Like Bitcoin moving higher. Well, it, it creates like a frenzy. Then people are like, okay, well, look, Bitcoin's already too high. I don't want to buy Bitcoin. Well, then you start having all these people start starting these crypto coins and crypto businesses because they're like spinoffs. You know what I'm saying? They're trying to get people to make more money and make these crypto coins just like the next Bitcoin, right? It's like everyone's trying to get the next Bitcoin. And then it's like, the thing is that with crypto is, is like, really there is, in my opinion, at least, like I said, I don't know a ton about crypto because I really just, haven't paid too much attention because it was like i just 
I don't think it's really backed on anything. It's more just like speculation, right? Like maybe there are some benefits for it, but there is no company. And some crypto companies probably have like assets, like buildings and stuff like that, that they may sure. own because, but, but it's not like something that's making money. Like, like I said, like a Home Depot or like a Tesla that's selling product. Yeah. These are not backed by tangible physical products or, or assets. And the thing is, um, what happened with FTX was that was kind of the thing. FTX was started, I think in 2007, well, not 2017, Almeda Research was started by uh, like Gary Wang and Sam Bankman-Fried. And then a few years later, they started FTX. And then FTX was, I think Almeda Research was a trading, uh, trading firm, I believe. It's a, uh, yeah, a trading firm. And then, and then FTX was the exchange. Okay. They started the exchange later on. Okay. Now what happened was during that FTX thing is that they got all these like, uh, what are they? Celebrities and stuff to promote mm -hmm. their products, to promote FTX. Yeah. People started giving them all their money. And then they found out later on that. This episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. A lot of that money had been transferred over to Almeda Research. And Almeda, what they were doing is was using customers' funds from FTX to trade with Almeda, with Almeda Research. So Almeda Research is like a trading firm. So they're actually actively placing trades, just like how I am, you know what I'm saying, sure. trying to make money. What I speculate, like I'm not for sure, but I can't see why things would be going south with Almeda Research, with Almeda Research um, or Alameda Research or whatever it's called. The only thing I can think is that maybe the guy started placing some bad trades or maybe when the market started falling, it was a little bit harder to make money. Maybe he started making bad judgment calls or maybe he just never was a good trader. Maybe they weren't making that much money. So in, in turn, instead of making money for their customers, they started losing money and started taking it out of FTX. And then what they were doing is getting celebrities and everybody to invest into FTX and buy FTX or FTT tokens, which was the FTX token and used all their customers' money pretty much to fund the trading with Alameda Research. And no one knew this at the time until I think Bloomberg or somebody was like Bloomberg or Coindesk created some sort of, um, I think Bloomberg reported that there was like a close relationship between Alameda and FTX. And then once they kind of did that, they, they also came up with something and cited something. The Wall Street Journal said that FTX lent its customers funds um, to Alameda. So then that's when it kind of started like bringing awareness to what was going mm. on. And then I think it was like Coindesk reported that a significant portion of Alameda's assets were held in FTT, which is the FTX token. And that's when it all started kind of going downhill, right? And then Binance, um, it said something like it was going to, uh, it was going to sell all its FTT tokens when the news came out. Well, Binance held a significant share. And once, once Binance leaked that news, it created like a, a scare and people started selling. And within three days, I think it went like, 80% of the value got lost in FTX. And then that's when the investigations came in and they started investigating uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. And then uh, I think I think when they arrested him, they arrested that Caroline Ellison. I think she was like the CEO of FTX um, or the C CEO of Almeida. And her and that Gary Wang guy, what they did was they actually like pretty much 
pled guilty to the charges sure and became rats pretty much you know what i'm saying they 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 pled guilty and uh said they would cooperate and then that's when they went and got sam bankman freed and now he's sitting in house in, on house arrest at his parents house what so, a fall oh man i mean it's crazy so that to me was just a big scam almost the whole time probably i mean yeah. i'm not for sure because i don't know you know what i'm saying but sure i don't know what they were doing but when they i think the new ceo that they brought in after sam bankman freed he actually resigned as ceo and they brought in this new guy and he did a bunch of research and they said that that he's never seen something like he was involved in the enron crash and he said he's never seen something um like they were not keeping books i think they were using quickbooks just regular QuickBooks to uh, keep track of these billions of dollars. Jesus. All right. So, so I mean, yeah, his name was John, John Ray, the third, I guess, you know, and he was the guy who said that, uh, yeah, that he's never seen such a complete failure of corporate controls um, and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information that occurred. So he's. Um, yeah, that's the fact that. It now looks, and obviously we're just legally, we're speculating wildly. Yeah, for sure. Um, that this is coming out to me says that it's like the first time I ever got caught drinking, and I got like arrested, and you know I was under eighteen, so the cops were cool enough to just be like, call your parents, which to me was a death sentence, and I called my parents at like three in the morning. I was seventeen. They came and picked me up. And, you know, you go, you try to convince them that, oh, this is the first time I've ever drank. Oh, really? The, the, the first time you get caught and it's the first, that, that's interesting. And a year later when you get caught smoking pot, oh, this is the first time I've ever smoked pot. Now, I think you're fucking lying to me, right? Yeah, for sure. So to me, this kind of looks like this thing was a scam the whole time. And as an uninitiated, my logic then tends to creep towards how many of these things are just houses of cards well for sure and they even said that that's what's like causing this was the initial thing that caused like the trip the crypto collapse right it was like ftx started and then i think there was more than like a few different hundred company over a hundred companies like a hundred crypto companies um they all claim bankruptcy and this was like you know and then that's why you've seen a lot of the crypto falling because i think people are realizing hey man like how many of these are scams just yeah Right. Or how many of these are, you know, we don't even know that that's the thing. And that's the thing with, with these type of businesses or these type of speculation. It That's all it is really is speculation. Right. And people are, and that's what scared me when I first started hearing about crypto and stuff. Everyone's always asking me, are you, are you doing crypto? Are you investing in crypto? And I was like, no, nah, man, because I just don't see what it is. Like, what is it? Right. Like it's, there's nothing there to me, you know, it's just, and that's, it's like the NFTs. It's the same thing, pretty much. I mean, NFTs at least still have NFTs. Never made sense to me because I could. Well, you know, you're a Photoshop wizard, man. I mean, you, you could like who's going to make tell it? You? I just yeah. don't get it. You know. Yeah. Like, but and then that's 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 like another thing where like part of me had I always have to be I always have to be I always have to assume that just because I don't understand something doesn't mean that it's stupid. I always have to yeah, be humble sure. and be like. Maybe I'm too stupid to understand it. Mm -hmm. My my problem is this is I don't I think I'm probably around average intelligence for like a college educated male. I think I'm probably around average. I don't think I'm a savant. I also don't think I'm a knuckle dragger. That being and I've had people on here this show 
from Delta Force to you talking about day trading to doctors talking about microbiology to astronauts and chip manufacturers and 3D printers and power lifters and sci-fi authors and musicians, everything. Within an hour, I can get, I can kind of do what I'm doing with you now and just throw out my own stupid conceptions and they'll tweak it and push it. And I can start to see the shape and I go, oh, well, I chose biology in college to study. I think I could have studied chemistry. I think I could have studied calculus. I decided not to. But you can start to look at it and go, I could, I've never played a guitar in my life. If I put my mind to it, I'm sure I could figure out how to play guitar. For sure, I, for sure. I, don't, I just don't want to. My problem, I say all that to say, my problem with crypto is, is I've probably dedicated 20 to 30 episodes over the past two years to someone coming on and just explaining it like I'm five. Mm -hmm. To date, I have not had anyone describe it in a manner that I thought was even remotely I could. And who knows? I also don't understand quantum physics. So this could very, I admit this could very well be a limitation of my own computational power. I have yet to have someone explain it. True masters. Dr. Malone, who invented the mRNA vaccine, he's been on here 15 times. He can describe something as esoteric as that. In an hour and a half, he can make you start to go, oh, okay, I can, I, I get the idea. Yeah, for sure. No one has been able to describe it in sort of ABC one, two, threes to me. Yeah. It's everyone's kind of, it's this loose, foggy. And ultimately, I just conclude, I'm like, oh, you're just beating me over the head for money. Like, that's what this is. Like, you, mm -hmm. you're fucking me, right? <laughs> so yeah. that's that's my hesitation is like and then the other thing is even a even a steel mill right they, they could be pride they could embezzlement fraud even that you can still sell the physical building you can strip everything down for scrap metal you can take the machinery and go sell it to some other industrial base there is something you still have skilled workers that can now go work at an automotive plant. There's nothing here. It's just, it's shadows. It's reflections and echoes, which I guess to me that, of course, something as malleable and ethereal as that, of course, it's going to lead to a scam. Like, why wouldn't it? Yeah, and I think a lot of people like, you know, they see certain benefits in it, like maybe, <clears throat> and to me, they're not like positive benefits. I mean, like ways to launder money or things like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. like people, they don't, they like it because it can't be tracked as easy or it couldn't before. I mean, I don't know if it can now, but what yeah. I've heard is they can track things. So, so I think that's all I've ever heard that was like the positive things about it. It's like, oh, like maybe for like drug lords. Maybe for like CIA you know, but, doing black ops in Guatemala. I don't know. Makes you know sense. So, yeah, I mean, and there's people who understand it a lot more than me. I don't understand much about crypto, but I've never really, like I said, the same thing with you. Everything I ever heard of it, to me, if I'm going to put my money in something, I'll put my money in American companies or companies that are backed by something. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it seems like horseshit. Yeah. It's just my, it's just like, I look at my own podcast and how it's growing slowly, but growing. And I can see it and I can go, oh, if I stick with this and put in enough, enough of my own blood, sweat and tears it's going to work. It's going to create something. Now, all that being said, you might also be someone that's like looking at crypto and going, yeah, it's all complete horseshit. But I've got a, you know, a disposable 10,000 bucks. Oh, yeah. If you got yeah, money. Go, 
go play the lottery. Who gives a shit? If you yeah. if you've got a million in the bank, what the fuck do you care? Yeah, exactly. If you got money, man, then all the power oh, to you. If yeah, you got go a lot of money. But even still, like I'm not gonna throw any money into it because like I said, I could put it into a stock that I really believe in. Sure. So, but I mean, I don't see anything wrong with people taking chances or taking shots sure. here and there. Yeah, well, I mean, the sure. risk worth the reward. If you can risk a thousand dollars and maybe get ten thousand, but I wouldn't be putting all my money into crypto hoping that it goes. That's just greedy, is what it is. It's greed and it's it's just the same thing happens with stocks, though. People will put money in stocks and then sell out like the GameStop thing, or they'll sell mm-hmm. their position. They still lose money doing stocks, too. It's not like it's guaranteed to make money all the time either, you know, like, but, but it's, it's, it's a, to me, it's a better risk. If I'm actually planning on like holding for a long term, then I would be, I'd feel a lot safer myself investing in real companies and things that I know I can see them with my own eyes. Like you said, you can see a Tesla driving down the road. Yeah. You know, I don't know anything of crypto that like has any physical, you know, assets, you know, I yeah. just don't know anything like that. So even something that is like, even something that is like super cutting edge, right? Like meta buying Oculus Rift, the VR goggles, that still doesn't seem to be fully matured, but we're definitely in five years and 10 years, we're, we're heading that way, right? Full immersion video sure, games. Sure. That, that's undeniable. A SpaceX Blue Origin still gambling, but I mean, anyone with a brain knows, yeah, that's the next frontier. You know, first you go across the ocean and then you move west, then you discover the air and air travel and air cargo. The next step is, well, how do we get to orbit? How do we, you know, and then there's going to be mining wars and taking over at that's the granted, though sci fi esque, it's happening. And again, it's a physical. It's that your caveman mind can grab it. There's steel. There's rocket fuel. It goes up. It's carry. It's very like, oh, it's it is a it is a thing. At the very least, I can still bludgeon someone with my iPhone, even if it doesn't work. It's at least a tool for the apocalypse, right? Uh, the comedian Tim Dillon said that about the Ridge Wallet. He goes, even this is during the pandemic. He goes, even if the money system collapses, this is still a sharp piece of metal. You can cut your family's throats and take their food, <laughs> like right. So. Well, and with stocks, man, you can see, like, you can actually look at these companies' balance sheets. You can look yeah. at their financial information. It's just like me and you. If I'm selling so much product and I'm only spending so much and you can see that there's like a net income all the time, then you can see that with your own eyes, right? So sure. if you can see that and you're investing in a company that's making money, well, then, I mean, most likely that company is going to grow and continue to make money like that because they have things figured out, right? Where I don't know if you can look at crypto and see that kind of stuff. So. No, and the only the only like, thing that sorry no go ahead I was gonna say the only thing that I could ever see with it is it's kind of like the idea that the United Arab Emirates is looking you know they're looking ten twenty thirty years and seeing the end of fossil fuels and that's why they're essentially making their entire country like a Las Vegas just skyscrapers and indoor mountains in the desert full of snow and they're turning it into Las Vegas on steroids because. They know when oil eventually is no longer the thing, and it just like, just like timber is no longer the main fuel source. One day it will be in the past. They're taking it and going, well, what can we build that is still a thing? The only way I could ever get behind a crypto is this: someone ballooned the value of it, and then at the peak took it and turned it into like a mutual fund of GE and Tesla and Apple and nvidia and walmart that's the only way i could ever see it is 
buy into it so you can own a disproportionate share of a mutual fund of physical things. Well, and I also think what people like, you got to think like currencies, currencies are a thing that people invest in. I've never invested in currencies, but people do. And so I think a lot of people are also investing in it, thinking that it's going to be like the future of our currency, right? Like they're maybe one day they eliminate the US dollar and everything goes to a worldwide crypto dollar. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't, but that's, I've heard that before, right? Like people, this is the future, you know, like you got to invest now because if you don't, it's just, it's going to keep going up. And my critique of that is, Hey, and I'm all for, you know, being bold and pushing the final, whatever, all the fucking cliches, but like I've read enough history to understand not for or against it just an observation i have no i have no doubts that the sun is going to set today it's happened every day of my 32 years i'm very i'm very confident it's also going to rise tomorrow the u.s dollar is mistakenly said to be backed by nothing no it is it is backed by a multi-trillion dollar globally reaching military it is no longer backed by gold it is backed by something much more fearsome jets and satellites in Delta force and the 17 intelligence agencies that we know about. And a Pentagon with nuclear bunkers that can survive all sorts of holocausts. That, that is very real. I don't know. I don't know who in their right mind thinks they're usurping that system. And who knows? Maybe I'm just a, a beta cuck, but I, Hey man, I think JFK tried to issue, I think that was his last bill as he tried to issue silver-backed currency. And then I think LBJ signed on the plane back to D.C. with the wife of JFK and the body of JFK. He signed a bill undoing that. Andrew Jackson, right? I killed the bank, but somebody tried to assassinate him and had two misfired. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Guns. I mean, every time we've tried to approach usurping, it's just... It is what it is, man. It's the great white shark. It's the apex predator. There are other predators and there are other inferiors and superiors, but nothing in the ocean tries to take on the black eyes of a great white shark. There is something in me that just goes, dude, that that flag is also the most hardcore gang sign ever. You're not you're not you're not replacing the gravy train. And it, I'm not saying that's good. It's clearly abused as a power source. I don't know who in their right mind thinks that we're just an upstart from Silicon Valley and we're going to displace the petrodollar. No, when people try to do that, their countries, ironically, all of a sudden need some freedom and get bombed into the Stone Age. That's, hey, wishful thinking, I guess, but I don't. It's not being replaced. Just my two cents. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. I, mean, I don't know too much about politics and stuff, but or like even history. But I mean, I know that just it, what from what I've seen, I just can't I can't get behind it. Yeah, yeah, and that's not you know, 
and if it does come about, it'll be because they're the ones using it. So and, yeah, and like I said, and if you want to throw some of your money into it, then why not? And I'm sure. Yeah, you got an extra buck. I definitely wouldn't off. be investing my entire life savings into something like that. I will invest two dollars when the Powerball goes over a billion dollars. For sure. Because it's it's too it's not enough to even cover my my daily groceries. But you know, the payoff is what a hundred thousand a hundred thousand percent, a million percent. Exactly. But and the other thing that gets me again is the is that immediate 80% decline in value. Like you shouldn't, I understand market, I know Great Depression, reset, I know, I understand that, but that's the whole market goes down, right? And that's not in a matter of days either, right? Like this, they said that, they said that there was a huge sell-off within three days in this in this cryptocurrency. And then I think when Binance, Binance said that they were going to purchase FTX to help with like the liquidity crisis. They said they were going to try to help like bail customers out. They were going to actually purchase FTX, but first they would do like their due diligence. Well, they came back the next day and said that they were not going to purchase it anymore because of what they found. And that's when it dropped 80% in a day, in one day. So in one day for something to drop 80% is pretty extreme, right? Like, I mean, I've seen stocks on the stock market because I trade a certain type of like stocks that are gap a lot, right? They're called gappers. They're stocks that when you go to sleep, they're at like $20. You wake up the next day, they're at like $100 or $50, right? They can move hundreds of percent overnight. Um, but the thing is, and you do see sometimes companies that you'll wake up the next day, but usually that's like, it's not a big company. Usually, and there are sometimes, like I don't see what Facebook, I think, gapped down pretty big. Um, let me see real quick. Because there are companies that do lose an extreme um, amount of money overnight, but usually it's like, Usually it's like, like little, um, biotechnology companies that are just like that nobody knows anything about. And somehow they shot up because biotechs do that. But no, I think Facebook only lost like, lost like 23% overnight pretty much, but, and it's lost well over, fuck, I mean, since the decline, man, it was down at 75% or around 75, 80% at one point, but that's all year, right? That's within a full year of selling since last, I think the high was last, um, around last September and this was to this November 75 to 80%, right? So but that's not overnight usually and usually like I said if it's something like that it's because something extreme happened and it's like some kind of company that really nobody knows about. But like a large cap, you know, a big corporation losing that much overnight is usually unheard of. Yeah. And even Facebook where it's like there's no there's no real physical product but they still have a lot of physical assets like sure. you know, like buildings and things like sure. that. And then even their, their website alone, you have to think how much advertising and costs and everything. Well, and, that's, they make. Like it's, and that's what I was going to say is like, sure. They've got, you know, a, you know, however many buildings, okay. They've got servers, but they, one, they've been around. I mean, they're, despite being a social media, they are starting to you know, they're get a little old, but they have that like a home Depot or a Lowe's. It's like, if Facebook, I like Facebook has been in like my vocabulary since middle school. It's followed well, Facebook's from... not going to lose all of its users overnight. You Correct. Know what I'm like, and it's... as long as those users are there, you can advertise. There's going to be and money. You can, yeah. And you can, no matter how much you might hate Facebook, the reality is, is it's still, it is a billboard. It is a billboard space that oh, puts Times Square to shame. It's huge for yeah. marketing and stuff and for companies trying to sell products. Like it's huge. Absolutely. So even something like that, it has already started to move its claws into somewhat of a real world. Sure, it could lose all of its advertising capability, but that also means the internet's gone, which yeah, means sure. that something exactly. much bigger has happened, right? Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. So even and then even them shifting into like an Oculus Rift, it's like, well, now we have physical assets, yeah. right? And then obviously, I'm sure they're working on expanding multiple different places. You know, of course, probably yeah, things Zuck- we don't even know about. You know, Zuckerberg's not dumb. You don't have to like him. He's he's not dumb, right? Not not you, Ron, but the people yeah. that work with him, right? I mean, these are all intelligent. Well, mo- for the most part, and people can hate on them. I mean, I understand the whole oh, "fuck you" is Mark Zuckerberg, whatever. But the thing is, these are intelligent people that got there for a reason. Yeah, and they've been around doing what they do for a long time, and and they're going to do whatever they can to protect their company. Yeah. yeah, and then there are some people that are like, "Well, Facebook's propped up by the intelligence agencies so that they can surveil you." Well, then it still has. I would argue it has <laughs> more staying power. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Who? Oh, so it's not backed by physical. Uh, it's not backed by physical confidence. It's backed by the full faith of the cia yeah. invest more <laughs> it's not fucking oh who's taking away the agency's surveillance you no it uh, buy more right um and even if like it was you got to think like if, if facebook was 75 percent like lower than it's like it was at last year it was at like a high of like around it was around a high of around 400 dollars. i think maybe a share it was like let's see facebook on the highs was at 384 per share right now like this month it was at a low of 88 like that's a pretty good opportunity in my opinion Mm -hmm. um because the drastic drop in price like that's something that is actually a good opportunity i'm saying maybe not i mean if it keeps going lower of course it'd be a better opportunity but still if you can purchase something that's at 75 percent of its original value or you know 25 percent of its original value i guess um why wouldn't you you know what i mean like that's that's to me is a good opportunity yeah Hey, uh, Ron, real quick, tell everybody where to uh, find your channel and your social media. I'm going to go piss. All right. Yeah, you can find my social media on YouTube. You can find it under the name Can't Sleep. It's K-A-N-T space S-L-E-E-P. On Instagram, I've just started a new Instagram. I have other Instagrams under the same name, but I just started a new Instagram for my company, and it's called Wall Street Sicarios. Wall Street and then Sicarios is S I C A R I O S. So Wall Street Sicarios.com is my website. That's where I sell my trading course and where I teach people how to trade stocks. You can also find me on Reddit under Can't Sleep 13, where I've I've made around a thousand posts or more, and I have some educational information there as well. But, uh, so I think the, I guess the unsexy wisdom from it all is, is if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And yeah, to, to grow it, it's probably not some sexy, oh, you're just one trade away from being, no, it's probably a lot of daily work and baptism by fire and takes you a long time to master it. Oh, with anything, even with day trading, the thing is like, you'll see a lot of people like, so I created this course that I sell now that I'm starting to sell it. I haven't, I just finished the course the other day. Actually, I've been making it for the last two years. Oh yeah. Um, 
but the thing is you'll see a lot of people market these courses to people and be like, Oh, like you're going to make money overnight. You're going to make money overnight. Like I never, ever want to make that. I, I never make posts like that. I never make any kind of social media, like, um, or videos that say like, Oh, you can make this so fast, right? Like the reality of any type of trading, especially day trading, it takes a lot of work, even with a course. Like I have taken quite a few courses. I've been personally mentored by people. Like I, my mentor lives in California. He's been doing it for probably 20 years. And um, it took me even with courses, with mentoring, and I'm talking like an extreme amount of work. Like I've taken, I've taken over 10,000 trades and I've tracked almost every single trade. And when I track the trade, like let's say today I make a trade. Well, I'll input that into a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. I'll track that every single way that like how much the stock moved for me. How, how much it went against me, how much it went for, uh, went for me in my favor before it came back against me. And then how much it, it just like every single way you can track these Metric. trades where a lot of work and a lot of experience. And the, the main thing is, and then there's a lot of studying, reading books, like learning how to develop these things, learning how to just to use the, the trading platform. Like people want to get going and they'll come in. Like I used to run my chat room and I had tons of people in there trading and it's crazy. These new traders come in and they're like, Hey, what should I do? What should I do? And it's like, man, the first thing you need to do is learn how to use your trading platform. Because if you're, like, if you're in a trade or you're trying to place a trade, you can make mistakes a lot, right? Like you can enter a one extra zero and you've bought an extreme. Like if you're trying to buy 150 shares, you enter one extra zero. Now you're buying 1500 shares, right? So yeah. that trade can turn into a huge loss if it goes against you or if you don't know how to get out of the trade. So when you set your stop price, if I bought a stock at $50 and I wanted to get out at 51, if it went against me, and I just don't know, like this one guy messaged me one day. He's like, how do I get out of this trade? How do I get out of this trade, man? I entered this trade. And I'm like, well, where did you get in? And all this stuff. And I've got to talk to him. Well, the, the rate, at, at, like these, some of these stocks move in an extreme, extremely fast price, right? Like some of the stocks that I trade, like certain biotech companies, they'll move a couple of dollars within a few seconds sometimes. Jeez. So if you can't get out in time or you don't know how to properly use that platform, you could end up losing a lot of money, right? There's so, so many little things you have to learn. And the main thing is like, is just experience and getting that like discipline, like learning how to deal with the emotions. And that's the hardest part of trading. Like when you're sitting there and it's not even just losing money, but making money, right? Like you want to let these trades ride higher and higher. Mm -hmm. You could go from being up, like, let's say I was trading using like a thousand dollars risk. I make a trade. I'm up like a thousand dollars. Well, then I'm up like two thousand dollars a couple seconds later. But then, if you don't exit that trade right at the right, at the right time, that trade might be back down to zero pretty quick, and then you've lost money on it, or you haven't made anything on it. Well, the thing is, like, this is about odds, and you need to hit a certain amount of wins, right? If you mm -hmm. don't, they won't be more than your losses. So if I'm losing on two trades, losing a thousand dollars on each one. And then I make this trade and that could be the trade that actually profit, like that made me a profit, right? Like, so if I lose 2000 on two trades and then I'm in this trade, I'm up $3,000. A lot of times people get greedy. They're up 30,000, but instead of taking the profit, they want to hold to it. Well, now that thing comes back down to zero or they'll even let it go against them. They take a loss. Well, now you've just fucked up your whole, yeah, everything, your statistics, because now you're down $3,000, but you should have actually profited a thousand on the difference, right? From the two losses and the one win. So there's a lot that goes into this. That's really just experience, like with your emotions and being able to follow through with the plan that you set, just like we were mm -hmm. talking about the long-term investing. So when I make a trade, I know where I'm going to get in. 
I know how much I'm going to risk. I know where I'm going to get out if it goes against me. And I know where I'm going to get out if it goes for me. And if I'm trying to ride it even higher than that, then I have a plan to take profits, like at least half of my position size, take it off remove at a it. certain amount and then let it ride or set a stop, move my stop up. So if it comes back down lower, I still get out with a little bit more profit, right? Like there's strategies that, that, that take time to really like, it, like when I first started trading, man, I already traded for probably three years. I remember going through, it took me around like four years of solid trading. And I'm talking like a lot of education, a lot more work than most people put in. I would sit here for like, and I'm not like the smartest guy in the world. I didn't go to college. Like I went to college for like a half a semester, but I it was, it wasn't any, any special classes. Sure. And I, I'm just a regular guy, right? I worked in the oil field. Um, so the thing is, it, it really helps to uh, after four years, going back to it, after four years of trading is probably when I started to consistently finally make money. I had had consistent bouts where I made money for a few months and then I'd probably give it back or I made money for six months even. And then I'd give it all back within a month or two. Hmm. Because I remember one time I'd call my dad and I'd be like, man, I would have made so much money today if I had followed my plan, right? It's like, I would get in these trades and immediately almost like get myself out with a small profit or it would, I'd let it run a little bit. It'd come back against me. I'd get myself out with a small loss, but I always knew during those times that I had a, a place where I was supposed to get out and a place where I was supposed to get out for profits. And I would just never follow the rules. I just couldn't do it, man. It's like, even after years of trading and doing it, you get to these points sometimes where you're like, you want to follow the rules. It's called like, we call it getting mentally hijacked or emotionally hijacked. It's when you fall, you have the, you have a plan, you've made this plan, you get in, but then you see the money, the money fluctuates. And so when I trade, I don't even look at how much I'm making. I keep that on a completely separate screen. Yeah. I just go for the targets that I have set and the plan that I made now, right? It took me years to really get that down. I'm talking like, I didn't think I was going to make it for a long time, man. I was like, because I would have bouts, bouts of consistency. I knew I could do it, but then I'd get into these little, these small periods of maybe a month or two or a few weeks where I just could not for the life of me, man. I don't know what it is or why. It's just, it's just experience, I think. I think it's experience watching these charts over and over and over again and placing these trades and getting in and out. And that's where I actually think day trading is a beneficial thing, even for long-term investing, because when you're used to making, like I've made thousands of trades. Now I've sat through this emotion. I've sat through all the emotions. I've monitored the trades. I've researched a lot. So now when I make a trade, like I'm in a long-term position right now, and it's actually been doing better than most of the market this year. And I don't even care if it goes down anymore. I sit there and follow the plan I had. I have it written down like on my chart. I have a separate screen where I write down all the things like for my long-term positions or swing trades. And that's it, man. If, if, if it happens how I planned on it happening, then that's what happens. If, if, I, if it doesn't, then I just, I get out of the trade, right? Like if it comes back to where it's supposed to be and I'm supposed to take the loss, I get out at the loss. If it hits my target, I get out the target. If not, I just sit in the trade until it happens and plays out. You know, it's just, you have to do. That's the hardest part about trading is just your emotions and discipline. Like that helps with that, right? Like if, if you're a person who you can't lose weight or you can't quit smoking or you let these things control your life. If you're a person who goes to the casino and cannot stop themselves from throwing money away, right? Like these things transfer over to your trading. If you're a very disciplined person and when you say you're going to lose 50 pounds, you're going to lose that 50 pounds. When you like, you're a pretty disciplined person. I think I can tell, like I can look at you and you can tell that you work out every day. Mm -hmm. That's a very disciplined person. Like it's very rare that you see like 
people that are out of shape a lot that are day traders. And if they do, I'd kind of be weary of that because like it is like, and long-term investing, like I said, is different. But even long-term investing, there's a reason why Warren Buffett and there's very few like long-term investors that are known for making billions of dollars because even long-term investors probably suffer from the same type of things, right? It's maybe a little bit harder to be undisciplined because long-term trading, if you buy into long-term trades and you can hold for a certain amount of time, you're likely to make money. It's just, it's the easiest form of trading, but it's just the longest form, right? It's, it takes way longer to make money, but it is the easiest form of trading because you can almost just always hold. And most of the time, if you bought into a good company, it's going to go back up. Whereas day trading, you have to be quick and, and swing trading. You have to exit. There is no like buying Tesla at $220 or $220 a share. And now you're sitting at 85 or something like that. And it's like, you've already lost too much. And especially with the amount of shares you buy, like you're not planning on, these aren't long-term investing like investments like we talked about earlier. So you have to be extremely disciplined, disciplined to be like a law, uh, a day trader or like a swing trader. You need to be able to follow through. Like if you're going to go run every day and you're the type of person who says, I'm Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly focus pops or lolly mellow pops for kids. And for parents, try three new brainy chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I run every day at 5 a.m. and you do it. Well, that's a that's a type of person who makes a good day trader or a good swing trader. People that can be very, very disciplined, right? Other than that, like that's that's the hardest part of trading is discipline. You learn the knowledge and you can anyone can look at a chart, man. I bet you could look at a stock chart and say, man, this thing's about to go up. It's just, you can see it, but it's the difference is the people that know how to execute what's in their mind and they can actually execute those emotions and, and, or execute those trades and, and avoid their emotions getting in the way. That's the people that make good traders, right? That's the, that's the hardest part of trading is being disciplined. And a lot of that comes from experience and comes from, doing things that other people aren't willing to do. Like how I said, I track my trades. Like I've shown people what I do on these spreadsheets sometimes. And they've been like, man, I've never seen anybody do that. That's because most people don't do that. But that's what, that's what changed my trading from being a losing trader to a winning trader was I needed some way to convince myself and to give myself confidence to be able to follow these rules. And the only way I could do it, like I could look at it over and over, but it's odd when you're seeing something happen so many times, your brain has like an odd way of remembering like certain things, like gratifying things. Like let's say I made money on a certain type of trade. One day, let's say I made $4,000 on this trade setup is what we call them, right? It's like a certain type of pattern you see, you take the trade. Let's say I made $4,000, but over time I've lost more than I've made. For some reason, your brain's going to remember just making that 4,000 that one time. It's going to remember that big win. And when you're making so many different trades, you cannot in your brain, you just can't track them all. You can't remember if you lost so many more, like it's like rolling the dice. Like you can't remember if you rolled six times, uh, rolled sixes more than you've rolled threes over millions of trades or thousands of trades, right? If you track them on a, on a spreadsheet, you can clearly see the data. Like, look, man, I get sixes way more than I get threes. Like every time I trade, you know, it's like the same thing with a stock. 
Every time I trade this pattern, I can get a three to one winning ratio on it. It's like, or, or maybe I lose 50% of the time, but on the 50% I do win, I can get a three to one most of the time. If you can see that data off all the trades you've taken, um, you can prove that to yourself, right? Because it's there in front of you. You can see the numbers. So next time you take that trade, you're not kind of going off of like your memory or what you remember because your memory, your memory is going to trick you a lot of times. So you mm -hmm. go off of the, the solid numbers. And that's what I did. I started tracking all of my trades on that spreadsheet and different ways as well, but I really tracked them. So I knew, okay, look, every single time I take this trade, like 60% of the time I can hit this target. Okay. Like 80% of the time I can hit this target. I only lose 30% of the time, a full loss, right? When you know these numbers, next time you're in that trade and you start getting antsy, you just remember that you just remember that data or you look at the spreadsheet. You're like, look, it's right there in front of my face, man. If I lose on this trade, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It only happens 30% of the time. The next one I'll get it, right? And if I don't get on the next one, the next one will. Those numbers give you the confidence, but that's where a lot of people don't put in the work to get those numbers or they won't put in the work to do they won't put in the work. That's, uh, that's how it is. So that's what's hard about trading. I have, <clears throat> I think I've showed you, I, I started the podcast December 12th, 2019. I have <clears throat> an Excel spreadsheet of every single day. It's about, it's about 50. I don't think it's quite two alphabets, right? Column A, B, C. I think I'm up to like, like QZ. So not quite 52 columns yeah. of, of BitChute, Odyssey, Spotify, Rumble, Brighty on Clathub. There are likes, there are view time, there's duration, there's subscribers, there's, you know, pennies earned, there's mm -hmm. how this stuff goes. And to me, it is very much turned into a, a discipline thing where you stop looking for the giant guest. Every once in a while, you, you see the target of opportunity. It's, it's spending the dollar on the billion dollar Powerball. Yeah, fuck it. Send them an email. Who cares? What happened? Maybe you'll get them. And it's cool. But, you know, I'm doing this for 37 months tomorrow. Instead, you start to look at the very long. Because, you again, you cannot remember a thousand rows of. No, you can't. Columns. That's what I mean. It's yeah. beyond. And I have an OCD mind. Like, I can memorize a lot. <laughs> I, can't, I can't touch it. No. And so, but what I can do is I can look at and I can then visualize it, right? Just turn it into a, a, a chart. You can go, if I keep doing what I'm doing, I look at it as like my daily routine is just, it's just another building block into making a skyscraper. Wake up, go to the gym, listen to an audiobook while you're at the gym. So you have something to talk about if this, if the conversation goes stale or get the author, uh, come back, shower, meditate, get your mind clear, do the podcast, do a second podcast. And I know I can top out around two. Maybe if, if it's, a, again, targets of opportunity, you can pull off three. But more than that, you don't want to burn yourself out because it's a long-term thing. I could probably knock out 20 podcasts in a week if I wanted to. That's not sustainable. I know I can do eight to 10 a week. And if you do that and then you track it over the weeks and months, yeah, it goes, it goes like that. It goes like yeah, that. Sure. But the long-term trending... For the last three years, every year, it's grown by 1,000% relative to the year-to-date prior. Mm -hmm. And I look at that, and I always, as slow and as sluggish as it is, I always think, and it's kind of funny because you are a stock trader, I always joke, like, if I could show a, an investor guaranteed 1,000% increase every year, they'd be like, what are you complaining about? 
keep yeah, fucking working. Sure, sure. And so like you, I, I have to have, you have that discipline. And sometimes you have a week where you get 30% less views on Spotify. You cannot for the life of you figure it out. But after you've been doing it for 156 weeks, you go, that's fine. I know it's going to keep trending. Then a month or two goes by and sure enough, it's going up. You go, stay the course, stay the course. And it allows you to do the And when you start to feel unconfident, you're not sure. It's less of your emotions of, am I going to make it? And instead, you just start looking at the hard data and you go, yep, it's it's gone up. It's gone up for the last three years, a thousand percent each year. Just stick to it. Don't tweak it here and there. Sure, go for a thousand and ten percent, but just stick to it. And then so eventually you kind of hit this point where you go, oh, so I just have to stay with it. Yeah, that's not the sexy answer. The sexy answer is, how do I make it 10,000%? No, you have to understand that the real challenge comes from, can you stick with it? And then if you can just dig deep and stay with it, your intellect no longer matters. You go, now we're just back to caveman strength, back yeah. to the oil fields. I'm back to the gym. I, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a meathead at heart. I, I interview doctors and shit, but I look at it as just like, get to the end of the set grit your teeth don't be a pussy push harder the people around you will eventually start to fall away and then you're like oh i just gotta outlast them and it starts to go and then you hit the point where someone comes up to you and they go what's the secret and you're like dude there is no secret just well, blind work ethic and a lot of times that outlasting them comes from you looking at the data and have where they don't knowing, that's knowing it putting goes. in the work where other people don't when, when other people don't, they will fall off, right? There's a lot of people you might even see that you think, oh shit, this guy's growing faster than me. But then a lot of times they might hit a spot where they don't know what to do. And they're just like, damn, nothing works anymore. And they drop off or they, exactly. And if, as long as you're keep looking at that data and it gives you that confidence. And, and I don't think that an undisciplined person can't become disciplined. Sure. I've watched it happen with my own family. I've watched it happen with me when I was younger um, to where I am now. Right. But like, I've seen complete changes in people, but I think what people need to do is if they want to become more disciplined is start trying to do things like that, set goals and just make yourself do them every single day. You know what I mean? Like if you want to like a good goal would be to go run every day, even if yeah. you're in like skinny, it doesn't matter. Running is fucking hard, man. If you actually run a few miles, you know, like, so if you could set a goal to just start running every day at the same time, and you, no matter what you do, you do that and you keep on and you keep on, you will become more disciplined over time. You just slowly start uh, improving on other aspects of your life as well. I've done it. You know, I've been lifting weights since 2003 and I kind of have a unique, not just with lifting weights, but with academics, with learning, with drug use, with weight gain, I've had a, a, a kind of unique thing in where I went from hyper disciplined to not at all. Normally you go from not disciplined to disciplined or you go to <laughs> discipline to you fuck it all up. I have a very weird experience where I went from hyper discipline to fucked it all up. And I've through the great, I genuinely believe through the grace of God have got back to discipline. But I started looking at it as like, okay, I want to do 20 pushups a day or you, okay, you're so fat. You can't do 20 pushups and you go, well, fuck it. Well, then eventually you ask yourself, you go, well, can you do one pushup a day? Yeah, I can do one pushup a day. Can you do two a day? You're like, yeah, I can do two. And then you find I'm like, well, I can do about five. You go, okay, do five every day for the month of January. And you're like, I can do that. Well, if don't, don't roll your eyes at it, do it. And you go through the whole month 
And then there are some days where that five is harder. You're really not feeling it. Other days you brush through it. And you're like, why am I doing this? Well, I started doing that last January with push-ups and pull-ups. And I would still had too much extra weight to be able to do these body weight exercises. And then when I get to the first of the new month, I go, all right, add five more. You do 10, you go, this isn't that hard. So you try to do 20 and you go, that's too hard. So you find that sweet spot and then go, just do that every day. And where I'd scoff at it and go, why am I doing this? You then have to go, well, for five years, I've been telling myself I'm going to do this. And if I can't do it, why am I scoffing at this baby step? And so I just stuck with it. Now, as of January 2023, I start my workout with 85 push-ups and 15 military pull-ups. Badass, man. I could have never fucking done that in my wildest dreams. Now, if you ask me, could I do 95? I don't think so. But I know on February 1st, I can do 90. And that's all I'll do. And so you then have to ask, like, well, where does the discipline come from? I honestly, I, th I think it's just hard work. There's truly, there is no shortcut. It suck the dick. You just, you got to work your ass. If it hurts, good. And no paid, no gains, a bad mindset. No, it's the only mindset. If if you're not in pain, you're not pushing yourself. It's hurt. This is what it is. Fuck off. Those are the rules of reality. I didn't make them. But discipline can also, it can actually kind of come in an easier way. And when you start to just look at, just track the data. And it's, you start to notice it and you go, well, hold on. If I just stick with this. And my logic always comes to this. When you look at a long-term goal, and it seems unreachable. I think there's one question and one question only to ask yourself. Are you suicidal? I'm someone that has been before. I've lost family members to suicide. I've lost my older brother to suicide. I am not, though. I go, okay. Well, 32 years have gone by and I'm still here. I have every intention of living for another 32. If I have a 10-year goal and it seems unattainable right now, aside from a freak accident, or an illness, I have every intention of being here in 10 years. Where do you want to be in those? Well, it's so far away. 10 years ago, I graduated from college. I could have never imagined what 10 years from that day would be, but here I am. I've still put on clothes. I still got to turn on the fucking shower, do laundry, fill up my water bottle. All right. Unless something tragic happens. I assume I'm going to be here at 42. What do you want to have done at 42? I want to be able to do a thousand push-ups. I want my podcast to be this big. Well, then just stick with it. And that's, I can really only boil it down to, are you or are you not suicidal? If you are, get help. But if you're not, make the long-term goal. And then just do the smallest amount that you know you can do every day. Don't, don't drink a cup of coffee and then make your daily goals because you're going to be delusional with energy. I always make my goal. I always make my to-do list at the end of the day when I'm dead fucking tired. The last podcast is uploaded. I've done everything. I've eaten. And I'm like, okay, that is when I make my to-do list because I go, if I can tell myself now where I'm, you know, I have a cold right now. The night cool's kicking in. My eyelids are heavy. Now is the time to make the to-do list because if you can do it now, you can do it tomorrow when you feel better. So I'm like, okay, got Ron, he's coming on. And then I got another one after that. Then I got to go get groceries and I got to send these emails. I can fucking do that. 
And it doesn't sound like much, but when you then repeat it for a thousand days, all of a sudden those little tiny stones turn into a mountain. And you go, how the fuck did I do this? And then someone comes along and goes, how do you get the mountain? And you go, oh, Jesus, you got to stick with it, dude. Yeah, I feel I feel bad for the people who still are at the bottom of the mountain. I mean, but I yeah. feel like I'm still at the bottom of the mountain. You know what I'm saying like I have so many goals still. Yeah. And I, I when I look at this shit, I'm like, it's just like you. I never, man, when I used to take these trading courses and shit, I couldn't even believe like my mind was just it was blown with information. I was just it was like every day my head was just like, holy shit, man, is this this is crazy. But now that when you're the person like teaching people and doing it and you've done it so much, it becomes more comfortable and you doing that every day. It just, it feels like it's forever when it's happening, but really you do start to become more comfortable. Look how more comfortable you probably are today doing your podcast and talking to people than when you first started. And I think, I think fear holds a lot of people back fear and like insecurities. Like, um, like I said, I'm not like a very educated person and, that kind of held me back for a lot of time in my life, like being insecure. I always worked in the oil field and like, I always knew I was kind of smart, but I'm, I'm not like schooled, you know, like in like an actual college or, or university degree or anything like that. And when you're going to something like stocks, it's kind of intimidating. But the thing is you have to realize that like we talked about that earlier, I think you said something about, you know, like you can learn anything. I think even, even people that don't have a huge, like huge IQ, just a basic IQ, even under it's experience. When you try to do something and you put all your time into that and you keep doing it and you keep doing it, whether you learn a tiny bit some days or you learn more some days, it's the repetition. And it's just the staying the course that over time, you'll surprise yourself what you can really do and what you can learn. And then you do just become more comfortable. You become more confident And then in 10 more years, I can only imagine what you're going to be like on your podcast, right? Or how big it's going to be, you know? And it's, you look at these people and they say like, I think it's like someone was, I heard a saying the other day and it was like, um, something about success being overnight. It seems like success is overnight for a lot of people. Like when you look at people, they just pop up on the radar and you're like, where the hell did this fucking guy from that company came here out of nowhere, just bust onto the scene. But really there's years and years and years of that behind the scenes you didn't see before this guy came on the scene. Most in almost all, there are people that become lucky sometimes. Like some people do just luck out, sure. but it's very, very rare, man. And I don't even want to be one of those people because yeah. I can't relate to people and I don't have a story. I want to write a story worth reading, right? Like I want to write a story that people are like, oh, yeah, like they're going to relate to that. And they're going to say, fuck, that's going to inspire people. To me, if I just came from like, just somebody gave me everything, well, that to me is not a story I want to fucking read. It's not a story that I can relate to. I want to struggle. I know it, it, you don't really want to struggle when it's happening. It's kind of shitty, but but you do want to struggle and you want to try hard because then you can relate. You can teach people better. You can, you develop so, so just so many more good positive qualities as a person, I believe when you do struggle, you know, and, and you have to actually stay the course and go through all those, those things. And it is, uh, yeah, <clears throat> whenever people start to ask you for advice and all of a sudden you realize you're like, oh, fuck, I kind of like know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's actually very, well, one, it's kind of imposter syndrome. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing, dude. Not people, they're like, but dude, you've done a thousand episodes. And I'm like, yeah, technically I have, but I still, I go into every episode and having no idea. I mean, truly, like I've done episodes where I realize halfway through literally that my pants are on backwards. Like that's not like sweatpants on backwards. I'm like, why is there a pocket on my ass? I'm like, I'm like talking to some esteemed doctor. And I'm like, why is there 
I can feel laces in my butt crack. And I'm, but you don't say it, right? You just, oh, yeah, yeah. but like it, it's very, it's kind of liberating because then you go, uh, all right. So I'm looking down at people who are at the bottom of the mountain and a small percentage of them will succeed. And you go, how did I get to where I am? And then you look, you know, they're like, man, Ron's on that mountain, but you're not looking at them. You're looking at the mountain next. You're looking at a warm buffet. You go, how the fuck did he? Yeah, but no shit. Then there's that dawning moment of where you go, oh, one day when I become Warren Buffett, I'm going to look back down and go, oh, none of these guys were born with this. You you build yourself up. And then one day, you, yeah, it, it sucks when you're struggling. Snap your fingers and episode 1050, you're like, how the fuck did that happen? You just keep building and build, And it's... It's not the sexy answer. There's no, but where's the secret? Where's the, where, you, where do you hack the mainframe and make the billion? You can, but then you also might end up, you know, raided by the feds. And that's, if you want the high. Exactly, the, exactly. Yeah, you end up FTX. You end up Enron. You end up jumping out of a building or putting a gun in your mouth. You end up, it, it ain't, yeah, it ain't exactly. great. No, it's not great. And even sometimes, like, I think that for me, what's helped me, is like I listen to other people a lot. Like um, I look, I listen to really professional athletes a lot, and other people that are up there. And I, I, I listen to their journey, and I like to listen to their stories. And a lot of times, you're kind of lost on this road. You're like, "Damn, am I making any progress?" Sometimes it's really hard to see if you're making progress. But then you hear these stories from like <clears throat> them talking about their struggles or <clears throat> what they came through, what they came from, and it's like you start to realize, like, "Damn, that's exactly what I'm going through right now." Like, and just like you said about Warren Buffett, I watched an interview with him two days ago and he was talking about how I always thought Warren Buffett was just a long-term investor because I've heard him talk like about trading and he doesn't talk too positively about like just trading or day trading and stuff. And then I watched this interview with him and he said, he's like, Oh yeah, when I was 11 and I first started trading, he's like, that's like what I was as a trader. He's like, I read all these books on technical analysis and all these things. I, he's like that one book, he's like the one uh, technical analysis by Edwards, McGee, and Bassetti. I was like, fuck, dude, that, that's exactly what I fucking read. You know what I'm saying? It's like the same book sitting right here next to me. And and then he's saying that he was a trader for about eight years before he started long-term investing. Well, I've been trading now for almost 10 years. And in the past couple of years is when I first really started getting oh, into long-term investing and started listening. And it's like, damn, man, like that's crazy because that's exactly how I felt at first. I felt like everything was got to be like this technical analysis and trading and stuff. And you start to see like, Trading is awesome. It's exciting. You can make good money trading. It comes with a lot of pitfalls and a lot of anxiety and a lot of other things because you're not always going to make money trading. Some days you lose money and it doesn't feel good when you lose money trading, especially when you lose money for a whole week straight. And it can happen. It's not, it's not a joke. Even if you're a professional trader, you make money a lot. You can lose money for a whole week straight. And when you're going through that, it sucks. Um, but the thing is, I've even started to realize over time too, right? Like long-term investing is a lot safer bet Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's way less anxiety. It And in the end, that's what's going to make you really wealthy. Day trading will make you money, but day trading is not going to make you wealthy like a long-term investing will. The only problem is long-term investing takes a long time, a long time to make you money. Whereas day trading, you can actually make money quickly. So you got money in your pockets, but I use a lot of that to learn how to put aside to it so I can invest in other things. Like my house is paid off, right? Like I'm um, mm -hmm. paid my house off within a few years. And I remember one guy told me actually that, that paying your house off was not a smart thing to do. His like, his, he was telling me that his 
mother-in-law was like, or his father-in-law was a, a banker, a bank manager. And he told him that paying your house off wasn't good because you can write off the more, write off some interest. I don't know what it was, but man, I paid my house off so fast that I paid very little interest. And the best thing about it is, is that it relieves a lot of stress. Your most expensive um, bill at the, in the end of the month is your rent. You know what I'm saying? And when you can alleviate that, that's a huge thing. And my house is more than doubled in value. So I thought it was a good, actually a good thing to do, but I mean, I don't know, like I said, I'm not some smart financial wizard, but I mean, in my mind, my mind, I was thinking, hell yeah, you know, like, absolutely. But it was yeah. And then like, there's also, and it's, it's harder to find these, but it's, I think they're much more valuable and it's not, there's like another level, like go, go find your Warren Buffett and listen to his story and you'll go, oh, that's where I, that's where I am. Exactly. But then you always have to remember that, like we've talked about, your memory can trick you. Mm -hmm. I can look, I can look back at my three year podcast journey fondly, you know, Oh, there are ups and downs versus like, no, I, I can say that now. Cause it's kind of working versus like <laughs> actually bring me back two years ago, still living with my parents, working at a liquor store and you're just sitting in your car during your break period, just trying to get someone to respond to you. Like, can I please have you on my show for, I just, I'll read your fucking book. And you're like, God, you're smashing your head on the steering wheel. And yeah. like, so it's great to find someone and hear their story, but then it's even greater is if, if you can go find actual like video or a picture or writing of that person. So you can hear Jeff Bezos talk about, well, I work so hard and it's inspiring. And then you go see a picture of him like serving hot dogs on Venice beach or something. And then you go, that's, there's the thing. Cause that's not a guy telling you how it all works. You're seeing the guy in yeah. an absolutely fucked situation. And I can't, you know, I, I can never really, it's, a, you can't really use like a, like, like a Joe Rogan cause he started the podcast already being set. For yeah, life. exactly. But Tim Dillon, who's, I think the funniest guy on the planet, he's, he started to make it in the last three years. I think he makes like 3 million a year on Patreon but you can go back and listen to him in like 2016 and he is living in an apartment with like four other people where like the kitchen is bifurcated into half of it's a shower and half of it's a kitchen and he's doing a podcast and he's like, yeah, one person's making an egg like and some lady's washing her twat while I'm trying to do a fucking podcast. And he's like, why don't I just jump out of this goddamn window? And then you just hear him stick with it. And then he goes and he goes and he goes and sure you can listen to him now on Rogan and he's, got a house in Beverly Hills in the Hamptons and he's doing shows all over the world and he can regale to you about his struggle. It's so much more valuable when you can actually go find an hour of him talking where he's like, uh, it's like I got a fight with an Uber driver today and then someone took my phone and I ate a hot dog and I threw it up on the subway and I still have to do a podcast. And then you're like, that guy's a millionaire now. Yeah. That is, I think, the most valuable thing is if and maybe it's not you don't have the benefit of like listening to a podcaster who does video audio. But if you can go find like a like a Warren Buffett, like a journal or something from when he's younger, that is so. And really, it all kind of comes full circle back to just track the data. Yeah. Track the data. And it it starts to show you that there's no other reason but to be disciplined. It's mm -hmm. it's going up. My podcast is going up tenfold every 12 months. And it ha it's not a fluke. It's done three years in a row now. What, what are you not going to 
now it's time to quit and go get a day job. Is your salary going to increase 10 times in a year? If it does, will it ever do that again? Probably not. And so then you start to come to like, there is no other reason but to stick with it. And from the outside, it looks like hardcore discipline. And in a sense, it is. But in another sense, I'm just like, why would I not keep doing what we talking about? I can see where the roads go. It becomes normal also. Like, yeah, that too. When you're tracking the data at first, when you see people, I remember when I used to like, man, the guy who taught me how to trade stocks, he would be like, I look at like a thousand stock charts a day. And I was like, what the fuck? How can you look at a thousand stock charts a day? Like, man, it blew my mind. Dude, I look at a thousand stock charts, no problem. It, like I can rip through stock charts now. Oh, yeah. but, but I I started at the same time as my best friend who ended up stopping. And I'm telling you, like, we might've looked through like two stocks a day, two or three stocks and being like, oh, you know, you're overwhelmed. You get to a point where you can see that. And writing things down is also important when you start. Like I used to have these little things written on my wall for a long time, things that I had to remember, like certain characteristics of stocks. Well, now I know them off the top of my head, but for a long time, I was sitting there thinking, man, like I'll never remember that. You know what I mean? And you have it written down. I have books. I have stacks of like these little notepads. Like I'm talking, I would usually have three on my dresser or on my uh, desk over here. And I would just be writing down every single thing every day, writing down a journal every single day, you know, and it's good. You have that also to look back on because sometimes, like we just said, your mind tricks you, you forget, you mm. forget where, you know, where you started. And sometimes I'll pull those books out and look, and I really don't even like to look at them really because of the feelings I get. Uh, because it, it, it is depressing. It's very depressing. At the time when I was going through that, trying to learn, it was very depressing and to look at that stuff. But it's also, it's also, you know, makes you feel good because you, you can see how far you came. You know what I mean? And like, with me, I didn't come from anything. My dad was a janitor growing up. You know, we didn't have anything. Like even today, um, my dad and mom, like, I don't have any backup plan. I won't inherit anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I have like six brothers and I will not inherit a penny. I don't want to inherit anything. Don't expect to. Um, everything I've got, like when I came to the United States, I was like 22 years old when I came here and I came here with nothing, like nothing. Um, I had a couple, I had a little bit of change in my pocket. I had like two pairs of pants, I think like two shirts, and some really bad stuff happened to me right before I left, like really bad stuff. I won't even talk about to people, sure. um, but life changing, life altering things. And I didn't have a license. I didn't have a computer. I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have anything. I came down here and I started working and everything that I have now is because of through hard work and just, I guess, discipline, you know what I'm saying? And just, and just like you said, just kind of pushing along every day. It's discouraging when it's happening too, you know, and especially when you go from having a lot of people around you and friends and family to having nobody because most of my family, there are family down here now, but most of them are spread out throughout the United States and Canada even. But right here in Houston, I'm pretty much the only one. So um, writing things down and keeping pictures or things of the past, if you can, and having those to look back on even for yourself, uh, just so you can see the progress sometimes when you can't see it also helps. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there is that like I I'll ne I hate looking back at old episodes. Not just because I suck and I I swear way too much and the video is terrible and it's echoing and not only that, but I just look back and I it's kind of like putting your hand near an oven. I'm like, I can see behind my I'm like, oh man, I remember where I was so fucking depressed. I I'm wearing like my liquor store shirt because I'm about to go to my job and I'm like, oh god, I but. And then you go, well, if I got through that and then you're like, well, how the fuck am I not going to get through this? What, what kind of pussy bitch wouldn't get? I got through that living with my parents working at a liquor store. 
I can't get through this where like my gym is now in my own building. I have a son now of my own bedroom. I used to do the podcast from my, and now have a, a studio room. Like yeah, that's it, awesome, man. Yeah. And it's like, and it looks I, good. It really thank looks you. Good. Yeah. I haven't got the good camera set up. I have one like yours. I need to set it up. I haven't, I haven't done it. I need to, but like, um, then there is something of like the daily, even today, we're talking about all these these wonderful you know wisdom and moving forward and seeing the you know again all the fucking cliches but like even today like i woke up just face down on my pillow listening to my alarm and was like oh, go to the gym i don't want to do this podcast i don't want to interview mike and ron i want to go back to bed oh, i just want i don't want to do anything and i'm like get the fuck up just start moving the gym's gonna your gym wakes you up you shower wakes you up meditation wakes you up you're gonna start talking to ron you guys are gonna start fucking laughing and talking to him oh yeah wait i have a cool fucking job i get to do whatever i want to no one put a gun in my head and said interview ron no today ron and i are shoot the shit about everything halfway through i'm gonna go piss like an unprofessional but like you start moving and moving and moving then you get to the end of the day you go oh i fucking did it and spoiler alert i'm gonna wake up tomorrow and I'm going to go, I do not want to fucking do these podcasts. I do not want to. F- but like you said, how can I look at a thousand of these? And how can I look at a thousand charts in a day? And then it becomes normal. Mm-hmm. Now I, in 2020, I think I listened to 26 audiobooks, like nonfiction, like historical audiobooks. In 2021, I listened to, I think, 40. In 2022, I listened to 66. How, like, how do you do that? Well, now when I wake up, I don't even think I actually kind of did pause for a minute today. As soon as I wake up, I turned on an audiobook and put it at 2x speed. And I just kind of had a moment of like laughing, like what my norm now is, is so weird. I'm listening to a book about like a 1900 slaughterhouse in Chicago by Upton Sinclair. It led to all these regulations and shit. But like my first instinct isn't to get on Instagram. I wake up and it's like, I'm just going about my day. I'm checking emails, checking it all off. But like, like working out. You keep pushing it, and then it becomes your norm. The trick is then, once it becomes your norm, and you go, oh, I can now look at a 1,000 of these a day. Well, can you look at 1,500? You're probably like, fuck, no, I can't look at 1,500. Well, that's the new goal. And you should never be in a spot of like, now I'm comfortable. It's no. As soon as you go, oh, I can listen to it at 2x speed. Can you listen to it at 2.1 speed? I can try. We'll start doing that. I, at any given moment, I want to look a year ahead. And Tommy and Jen on January 11th, 2024, if I could just somehow peer through time at him for just 10 minutes, I want to be blown away. I want to be like, you're doing what? You're interviewing who? You're doing how many push-ups? You're listening to how many? What the fuck is wrong with you? I want to be intimidated. Because it means I will have kept conquering. And then when I get to that moment, and I ask that 2024 Tommy, I go, how the fuck are you doing this? I want him to look at me and be like, dude, I'm looking at 2025 Tommy. That guy's a psychopath. That's what I want, is to just keep going and going and going. And then you just, you come to peace with the daily grind. And I really do think it all boils down to, are you or are you not suicidal? And if the answer is no, then yeah, you can come to America at 2022 with a couple bucks. And it may seem, oh, 
I'm never going to get to where Ron is today. And I was even suicidal when I came here. So, I mean, I've been suicidal plenty of times. In my yeah. Life. Yeah. If you haven't been suicidal by 30, you, something's wrong, right? <laughs> if you but have, I feel, I, I, when people tell me they haven't been, I don't know how, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. we also are in a privileged country to America, right? And I think yeah. that it's odd, man. I have friends and they're really content with being at their job and they're, it's very hard for them to do things for themselves. And I think like you were saying earlier, it's hard for you to get up and do the podcast, but man, but it's weird because people will get up and go to work for somebody else every day, whether they want to or not, they're going to go do it. Right. But people look at things like this, like doing working for yourself and they think that it's easy. And I'm working for myself is harder than way harder than working in the oil field ever was. Like my uncle told me, he's like, why don't you come back and get some of this easy money? And I was like, yeah, that's easy money for me, man. Because I'll tell you right now, the things that I've been through on this road were way, way, way harder than going to work. Even though I worked in like the heat, the cold, I worked like 16 hours a day, 13 hours a day, every single day. We got days off. Sometimes I worked months without a day off. Sometimes I got a day off every two weeks. But that to me, when I'm just going to work and someone's telling me what to do, it's just like a guaranteed paycheck, whether I perform great or whether I don't perform very well, I'm coming home at the end of the day with the paycheck. When you're doing something and actually like losing money or not making money and you can continue to do that. And that gets very, very hard, man, like mentally. And it, it blows my mind that people will go work for other places, but not for themselves. Right. Like I think that we should all be trying to do something for ourselves in any, even if it's one little small thing, I think that everybody should create some kind of goal and try to work towards that. Even if it's on the side, if it's one hour every day, like you went to school and you usually go for like an hour every day for one subject, like math or anything, you know, I can see like the progress in my stepson. He's like 15. Like he goes one hour every day for math but the dude can school me on math. You know what I'm saying? Like from one hour every day. Yeah. It's amazing what you can do with one hour every day extra. Right. And everybody I think has, or almost everybody has an hour every day where they could put something, but what's got people now is the social media and things like that. And people feel necessary to go on that. And it's kind of like a release, I guess, or maybe it's dopamine. I don't know what it is, but it's got people to a spot where they just, they they would rather almost do that or it feels more, it feels better doing that than working for themselves. Right. But if, if my thing is, if, if you can at least spend one hour every day doing something for yourself in a few years, you could really develop some skills or, or be somebody different or be doing something different. Maybe that one hour a day could even help you be able to build your own career, doing something for yourself. Yeah. The, I saw some funny quote. I think my mom sent it to me and it was, uh, because uh, people who work for themselves are the only people in the world that will work 80 hour weeks so they don't have to work 40 hour weeks. <laughs> yeah, I know it's the truth, man. Right. And you have to go, well, wh- why the fuck? And it's like, because like you have to work for, like to me, like if I'm not doing this podcast, it's because I'm not working at all. I've said, fuck it. I'm trying to sell drugs or I've joined a cartel and I'm doing something no good. But like if I'm going to work anyway, why the fuck would I go work for something? I'm at least going to take this risk so that it can be something greater than I've ever imagined. And it's, it's terrifying. It's, it's, it's not in school where if I don't do well in this class, I'm going to have to retake it. I don't 
I don't know what the fuck's going to happen if this thing doesn't work. You have all these contingency plans and safeguards and you had disciplinary rules and I've got to hit these things every week and then you can rest and you can do this next week and next month and next year and all these different things. And it's, it's scary, but there's no greater feeling than when it starts to work. Like you feel like a, you feel like you're stranded on some island in the Pacific, and after ten years, you finally found enough like plastic bottles and string that you've made a raft, and it floats, and you push off from the shore, and it floats, and you're like, "Oh, we're in fucking business now!" Like, there is no greater feeling. And like, yeah, that I've had those, I've had jobs, man. There's, it's a very comforting feeling to just go do the thing, just suck the dick, whatever. You, you get the money, like that's. And I have the majority of people I know do that. And I can't even fault it because it is, it is comfortable. They have very fun social lives. They have their friends and their whatever the fuck. I'm insane. And I can't do that. I need to do this. I have to every day be like, well, I have no idea what tomorrow holds. I can't live that life, but there is, there's really nothing because once you start to conquer this, then you're like, well, what can't I do? Exactly. If I can build, and you start to see, I think it was Steve Jobs that said, and we'll we'll wrap it up with this. I think it was Steve Jobs that said, he was like, uh, the most pivotal moment in any entrepreneur's life is when they start to, is when they stop viewing the world as this static thing. And they instead push on point A and they see something happen on point B and they go, Oh, this whole thing's malleable. You, we have these ideas. You go to the grocery store and the stoplight turns green and that, and this happens and you're just in this world versus when instead of like you watch a podcast and then maybe you start to comment. And one day you see that the guy had on the guy that you commented. And finally you start a podcast and then you start interviewing the people you wanted to see interviewed and you start to actually change the landscape of it. And you're like, oh, this isn't a prison. This is a playground. It's terrifying. But the entire world changes from I'm stuck here. I'm imprisoned here to I'm a player on the field, too. Now you can make a change. You can make a play. And the, you know, and then the big goal is and then I can fucking win the game. Mm-hmm. It it it. An entirely new universe opens up from being a prisoner to to being a player. And it's if you haven't done it, it's almost you almost it almost can't be explained to you. But it, it's it's it changes your entire reality. And it, it's just it goes from watching a movie to playing a video game where you're like, give me the fucking controller, I'll do this shit. <laughs> It's, for me, it makes life like like worth living. Like I feel yeah. like living for something now. Before yeah. I was just like living to live. I didn't have any type of goals. I was just living, just going through life. Now it's like you're living for something. Like every moment you're alive, it's like you're you're just trying to do something, right? Yes. And it gives you like that. It gives you a feeling like if you're just you're living for something now. You have something that you're i don't know it's a very it's like you said it's it's life changing it is very very good like a liberating feeling in a way even if you do end up failing like you know you hear that saying like i'd rather try and fail than not have tried at all that is the truth man and when you're doing something like that that's what you believe like if i if, even if i fail even like man i'm never 
I will never probably ever feel like I've made it, man. Like I've got it. Like never, I will never feel like that. I will never want to feel like that. Um, I always want to feel like I have a goal. I feel like, like when people get to that point of I've made it or something, I think that's when it's almost yeah. like what's left, you know, like what I'll never have that feeling, man. If, if I'm not trading stocks, like when I met you, um, man, I remember you were like all about graphic design and all this stuff, you know, all these things about Photoshop. I didn't know anything about Photoshop. I didn't know anything about video. I didn't know anything about any of that. But in the past few years, I've learned a lot about graphic design and Photoshop. And I, and I've, now I can edit videos. I can make videos. I know about cameras and photography. Like it just keeps growing and growing. It's like, you know, I don't know if you've ever read that book, the obstacle is the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, holiday or whatever, but, um, the obstacle for me was trading stocks. And I don't know if like, I'll always trade stocks, but, and I feel passionate for stocks. I always will, but I don't know. This is leading me in another direction. This me trying to trade stocks has created a belief in myself that has made me open up to so many different things and avenues and learn so many different things. And it's like, well, even like you, I'm sure the same thing, just with your video and your podcast and all the things you have to learn that go along with that. And it, it turns you into somebody, you know, and it makes you feel powerful, not powerful, like in like a evil, powerful way, but confident. powerful, like inside of yourself, you know what I mean? Like you just confident, I guess, or confidence, confidence is the word, but it does make me feel confident in myself that I can learn anything now, you know, and, and that confidence brings me, um, brings me to where I feel like I want to learn other things and it's turning me into the person I'm supposed to be right. Like the obstacle was the stocks and that is the way that it's leading me in the path that I need to go. You know, it's, I mean, this podcast, yeah, the podcast is the way it started with this. It has led to me to losing weight, to building muscle, to saving more money than I ever have. And not because it's rolling in, but because it's just, it's something I could have always done, but now I do it. And now I learn more than I've ever learned before. I, I pray more. I'm, I'm closer to God. I, I'm closer to my family. It's this, this like magnetic force that is pulling every aspect of me towards it. And yeah, I, I think you said it perfectly. You're living for something. And then I, I try to extrapolate further and I go, well, 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 then what happens when I, when I have the biggest podcast in the world and I've made all the money I want to have? Well, then, then there's almost like a, like a higher level of being and it's, well, now you can start to alleviate the pain of others. Exactly. You don't want to alleviate all pain because struggle is good. Yeah, for sure. But there's a difference between struggle and build your own podcast to people who are just fucked. In an abusive family, you you know, raped as a child, sure. uh, you know, born a crack baby, or you're born in sub-Saharan Africa. And you've single never seen... mothers. I think single mothers need help. Now that I have a kid, yeah, I could not even, like, man, I got, my wife takes care of the kid most yeah. of the time, and I'm still, like, overwhelmed. Like, yeah, I cannot imagine, like, I used to never, I couldn't relate to it, I guess, at the time. I hear all these things about single mothers. Oh, dude a single mother or a mother working a job and taking care of her kid. This like, Insane. I could not imagine having my kid being sick or something and having to go to work and put my child in the hands of someone else to watch. Like in the world we live in today, like no way, man, like they have Absolutely. it so hard. I would love to help single mothers and stuff like that, you know? And, and like, for, like I look at, for me, it's like, I look at depression. Like I got to, when I'm, when my life went to shit, I got to move home with my loving parents who got me medical care and who took care of me and nurtured me back to health. 
if I didn't have parents and there was no one to call, it would have ended with just a gunshot or a pill. It just would have. And to me, I'm like, well, I wonder what change I can do. I wonder what things I can do to, again, you don't want to remove all struggle. Struggle is very good, but there are people who are just utterly fucked and who never even had a choice to work hard. They're just, they're born with a horrible disease or yeah, they're born into the you know, fucking downtown Compton. And it's like, yeah, dude, that kid's not ever going to get a shot to go be a doctor. It's not that he wouldn't, you know, fight for it. He's not even getting the opportunity to fight for it. He never learned how to read. And it's like, then you can go and it comes back to the, the world becomes malleable. You stop looking at it as this, this dark, evil place and the world is fucked. And you go, oh, I can make it a little. And it's kind of interesting. What do a Carnegie or a Rockefeller do at the end of their life when they've had hundreds of billions? They do philanthropy. These guys who grew up like on the docks fighting in bars and abusive deadbeat dads. Once they've conquered the world, they tend to go, how do I help the least among us who have been truly fucked? Kids who some don't have homes. Some of them do. Some of them become heartless fucking pieces of shit. In my opinion. Oh, yeah. No, no. That's it. This isn't a rule. This isn't a, yeah, Some yeah. of them are no, demons no. from hell. <laughs> yeah, no, I, no, sure, I'm, with, yeah. I'm with you. Some of them are complete yeah. demons from hell. Mm-hmm. But like. Some of them do make the world a little better. And then you have to imagine what things in our life are from people that just not even like recently. I mean, a thousand years ago or fucking someone that invented penicillin or how many things from our life do we not even think twice? Like, like reverse osmosis water. I don't know who yeah. the fuck started that, but I'm sure someone along the line, some dude probably owned a water plant and was like, yeah, 200 years ago. It was like, eh, fuck, get rid of the patent. Give it to the people. We don't even think about it. We just go, oh, we have running water now. Yeah. What shoulders of giants are we standing on? And then you go, can I be that for someone in a thousand years? And they'll never know it was me and they'll never know it was you. But if I got to it, and then ultimately it all boils down to, I, I do have a belief in a God and I, and I do think we are here to make this world a little better for those after us. And that's really the organizing principle of it all. It's like, I want, when I'm dead, I want to be able to look back and despite all of my flaws, be like, you, f- you left the world a little better than you found it. And just like we talked about after a long day's work, you can sit down without guilt and go, oh, had to play some Grand Theft Auto and listen to a podcast because I worked my ass off today. I can only imagine that's what happens. At, I want to go into death and be like, probably could have done more, but I did a fucking lot. I want to like lay down in my coffin at peace and be like, fuck yeah, I deserve mm-hmm. this. That's what I want. It's awesome. Beautiful ending. With this, Ron, I love you, brother. I will put... The links to all of your shit. Text them to me just so I have them still. And I'll put them in the description. Guys, go follow Ron. Don't be a piece of shit. Go follow him. As you can tell, he's not a huckster. He's not He's not dealing FTX. He's telling you the exact opposite. Go bang your head in an oil field for 10 years and then maybe get into trading. It's not an easy path. None of this shit's easy. It shouldn't be easy. And uh, that's all I got. Ron, I got to run because I got another guest in the waiting room. So. All right, man. Take, Take care, bro. I'll text it to you when it's up. And... um. Talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. God bless. Ron.